everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Joy and Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy, even in infertility. Hey friends, welcome back to episode 28. Five years ago, Lindsay and Dan received a devastating diagnosis that ended their dream of having a family, which, like many of you, was their greatest desire. That moment has changed the trajectory of their lives forever because they began a new adventure that is still changing their direction, quite literally, even to today. And Dan just looked at me and said, you know what, Lindsay, this is not a dead end for us. This is just going to be a little detour, and it's it's going to still lead us to a beautiful place and a beautiful life together and happiness and everything we want in life. It's just going to look different than what we had planned. And that doesn't mean different doesn't mean it's going to be worse. You know, it could be better and we're just going to follow this detour. As you're going to hear, follow your detour has become more than just something Dan mentioned in a conversation. It's become the lens in which they view their entire lives. Lindsay is going to share the story which led her to write the book, Follow Your Detour, and the lessons that she's learned along the way. Here we go. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so glad we were able to make this work despite a little bit of complications this morning, but tell us where you are. Tell us about who you are, your husband. Yeah. So I'm calling in from Colorado Springs, Colorado, um, which is my hometown, but my husband and I have been traveling full time for two and a half years and um, we've been RVing the U.S. So we've been coast to coast, Canada, down to Mexico, all over on a crazy wild adventure. Um, And now we're starting to slow down a little and settle so we can do a little part-time home base and part-time travel. Um, And just kind of putting travel on the back burner to pursue adoption and grow our business and um, things that are difficult or impossible to do on the road. So it's been an an exciting new transition for us and um, we're excited for what's to come. I feel like RVing is like the new trend. How do you go about starting that and like making that decision? Cause it seems so scary. You know, it did seem really scary. And then it's one of those things you have to just go for it. And we always tell people you can plan and plan and plan, but it never goes the way you expect it to, or um, you'll end up planning for a year or two and then life changes and you won't make it to the road. So we always tell people just to to go for it. And I know that that's not always easy for everybody because there's a lot of logistics in terms of your job and how you're going to make money. And, um, but honestly, it's easier than ever to make money online and find a remote mm-hmm. job. And so, um, people are doing it more and more and it's an awesome way to live. It's a really simple lifestyle and we've loved every minute of it. Um, it'll always, RVing will always, always be a part of our life in some way or another, whether it's just a month trip here and there or back to full time. We've just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it changes you for sure. Well, you guys definitely go follow them on Instagram. They're so adorable and they share their adventures with the world. Thank you. So did you guys have your remote jobs already before you made that decision to travel or did you start that after? No. Um, I used to teach kindergarten. Uh, that was my dream career from the time I was little. So I was teaching and my husband actually, um, we moved from Denver, Colorado to Raleigh, North Carolina shortly after we received our whole infertility news and 
my husband's diagnosis, which we'll go into, but um, we wanted a little change of scenery. So we moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. And, and when we did that, my husband was able to go remote with his company in Denver. And okay. I just switched schools and was still teaching kindergarten. And I was just really unhappy, you know, like we had, we had gotten a change of scenery, but it was really like life just followed us. You know, it was just, that was all it was, was a change of scenery. And right. Um, <laughs> Can't leave your problems. Yeah. So I was just struggling in a lot of ways and I was falling out of love with teaching and we were going on all these road trips because I was teaching at a year round school. And so I had longer breaks more often. And you know, from Raleigh within just four to six hours, you can be so many different places. And so we took every chance we could to go on these weekend trips or week long trips. And every time we'd leave, I would cry the whole way home because I just loved the time we got together and the time that was just distraction free, traveling, doing what we loved, adventuring, being with our dogs, seeing new places. And I just I wanted that. Like that is what made me feel alive. And so we would drive yeah. home and I would cry and I didn't want to go back to work. And, um, and so my husband, one day we were hiking at Lake Lure in North Carolina and we saw across the lake an airstream. And I just remember it being this like symbol of just freedom that I, like my soul was just longing for. And I just looked at my husband and I was like, what if we did that? What if we got an RV and we could do these road trips all the time. And he kind of laughed, thought I was a little crazy, but he did say, well, like I could, you know, I work remotely. It doesn't matter where I am as long as I have Wi-Fi." And he's like, well, what would you do? And, and I had no idea. And I, I didn't know who I was outside of teaching. I, my identity was so wrapped up in teaching. And so, um, we got back and I started just kind of researching and reading blogs and listening to podcasts. And I was seeing more and more young couples like us doing it because I honestly just thought it was retired people like most people think. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, my heart was so in this idea of traveling full time and, you know, we had, we'd come off such an emotional journey and, um, I just, I just kept pushing my husband to do it. I was like, we've just got to try this. We've got to do it. People are doing it. We can figure it out. And he was super supportive. He knew how unhappy I was. So we made the decision and we had to get out of our apartment lease that we had pretty much just signed. We had to move all of our stuff back to Colorado that we had just moved across the country eight months before that. But we just, it was like, we're doing it, you know? And we just knew we were going to do one thing at a time until we got there. And so Within about six weeks, we were we had all our stuff back in Colorado. We bought an RV. My dad kind of helped us know how to use it because we'd never RV'd before, and we were on the road. So that's crazy. What an adventure! Quick. Yeah, and it was it was just the biggest blessing. So that's cool. Yeah, and so going back to the original question <laughs> was, um, I didn't know what I was going to do for work. Um, we just hit the road, and and Dan's job was. We were so fortunate to have that to, you know, help us with the transition and support both of us. And, and that's when I really dove into blogging and writing. And I just kind of fell in love with sharing our story and inspiring others through writing, which is something I never thought was a skill I had. And 
And um, then it just kind of took off from there. And we were doing various things through our blog in terms of like a, tra- a travel show that we hosted and, and freelance writing for other companies in the RV industry and doing sponsored travel. And um, we just kind of kept going until we made it work. You know, when you're in a situation when you love something so bad, you you do what it takes to, to stay yeah. on the road. So that's so awesome. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. Well, you mentioned it. So tell us about your infertility story so far and where you guys are. Sure. So, um, we've been married this year will be 10 years. So, um, we kind of had a five. Congrats. Thank you. We are excited about that. We kind of had a, <laughs> a five year rule where we would, you know, travel together and just have it be us for five years. And then we would start trying to have a baby. And so year five rolled around and we, we went through the little checklist of things that we thought we needed to have in mind before starting a family. And so we bought our first home in the suburbs and we were really settled into our careers and felt financially ready and emotionally ready. And, um, so we started and we just, you know, went off birth control and just kind of prayed and said, it'll be God's timing. We're not going to push it too hard. We'll just see what happens. And then a year went by and nothing had happened. So we started the, you know, initial testing and everything of course was done on me first. So we went through about six months of that and found everything to be normal, fine. Um, no problems. So then they moved on to Dan and his first semen analysis came back zero. Um, but when they called, they said, you have low sperm count. And so we were like, oh, no big deal. We can, you know, people, that's pretty common. We right. can get through that. But when we actually got the test in our hands, I looked at it and I was like, damn, this is zero. This does not say low. Like, that is totally different. And he did another and it came back a zero. So, um, why didn't they tell you that? It was from start to finish our infertility process with the medical side of things was just really awful. We could not believe the way oh, that we were treated and a lot of it. So, um, wow. yeah, that added to the stress for sure. But, uh, so we were told to go to a urologist and so he started doing various tests there and, um, he was told that there was a chance we, that they could do a biopsy and just get sperm cells and harvest those into sperm. So we, you know, our hope kind of came back like, okay, this is okay. We just have to go through a couple extra steps. So he had the biopsy and before the procedure, the doctor, you know, sat us down and said, it's super invasive. I typically only like to go into without getting too graphic. (laughs) He said, I typically don't like to go into both sides. I just, I make a very small incision with like an, just a needle actually. And we try and get some cells out that way. And then if mm-hmm. we don't get cells, then I'll make a little incision. And then beyond that, like, it's, it's too invasive to go much further than that. So, oh wow. so the doctor said it should take, you know, about an hour, um, but it could take up to three if, if there's any complications. So my sisters came in the waiting room and sat with me and I was just on pins and needles the whole time. And then the doctor walked out and I just knew it was, th- it was three hours and he walked out and I could just tell on his face and he sat down. I get so emotional all over again, <laughs> but 
he sat down and just said, like, I'm so sorry we we went to both sides and we couldn't find anything. So, mm. um, so he even went above and beyond. He, he wanted so bad, you know. And then he kind of said, well, we can soak the the tissue and sometimes some cells kind of make their way out with this special solution or something. And we'll call you, you know, if that happens overnight. And of course the next day we got another no and it was just, it was devastating. Yeah. So, um, it's so funny. Sometimes I can cry. Sometimes it's like, so matter of fact, I just get right there. It's so it depends on the day. <laughs> oh, I know. We all know. Yeah. <laughs> We're right there with you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was, it was a pretty clear no, um, after about two years of what we went through and, um, yeah, it was hard, you know, we didn't realize that how heavy that grief would be. Um, I just lost my brother about a year before that. So it was just like piled on, you know, I just felt piled in grief. And, whew, I got to take a deep breath here. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it was just, it was extremely hard. You know, as, yeah. as I'm sure most of your listeners, it was just my, the greatest dream of my life was to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And you hear so many infertility stories where it, it works out. You know, people are, you know, are told there's complications or whatever, but eventually it works out. And it was just like, there was just no chance for Dan. It was so clear cut. And now, you know, we see that as such a blessing because I think most infertility journeys, you don't get that clear cut of an answer. I think usually it's like, yeah, it's an endless pursuit. And you never know when to stop. And so Mm -hmm. after some time and healing, now we know, what a blessing that was that we were able to move forward and not, not wonder anymore. Even though, I mean, of course I still every month and like, maybe it's a miracle month, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. it worked. Um, but, but yeah, that's the gist of it. It was, um, it was on my husband and he was ultimately given a diagnosis called Sertoli only syndrome. And so it basically just means that, um, his cells are Sertoli only and they're not, he doesn't have any cells necessary to produce sperm. So Mm. total surprise. His brothers um, both have kids. It was, the doctors couldn't really explain it, which is another frustrating thing. We did a ton of Google research and there's very, very little research. He's like 1% of infertile men and, um, Yeah, just there's not a whole lot of research. There's no cures out there. A couple months after we got his diagnosis, um, you know, the fertility clinic was obviously trying to help us move along, and their goal is to to get you a child one way or another. And so they suggested we use donor sperm. And um, that was – it felt very weird at first for me. And then the more, you know, we got counseling and the more I talked to friends and family, I thought, you know, maybe this could be a really good option for us. And it would still allow me to be pregnant and Dan to still bond during the pregnancy. And at the end of the day, Dan's going to be the dad and we can find a donor with similar features. And so 
we moved forward with that. Um, and we were really excited about it at first. Like we found a really great um, donor that looked a lot like Dan and um, the process wasn't quite as bad as I had envisioned. And so um, since everything was fine with me, the doctor said, you know, it should just take three rounds of IUI. It's super easy. You know, wasn't too invasive. It was just, you know, tracking my ovulation and then doing the trigger shot and then going in for the procedure that day and out and fine the rest of the day. So, um, so we moved forward with that and we did three rounds with no success. And the doctor then, you know, the next step would have been in vitro. And at that point I, I felt like that was just too much for us at the time. Um, and it was still not a guarantee and it was still not biologically our child, both of ours. And I just, I was kind of felt like that was the end of the road if we got to that point. And the doctor said, well, let's try one more round of IUI. And that month I didn't even ovulate. I was just a mess. Oh, wow. So I took that sort of as a sign like, okay, I just need time. I just need, I got to stop this, you know, and give my body mm-hmm. some rest and my mind some rest. And so we, like we always do, we booked a trip <laughs> to travel because <laughs> I'm seeing a theme here. <laughs> that's, that's what makes us happy. And so we uh, went to Thailand as a like gift to ourselves for just a break and vacation. And, um, and we came back and I just had no desire whatsoever to go back into it. And so Dan supported that and we just said, you know, let's just take some time. And, um, that was when we decided to move to Raleigh and then things just kind of kept moving along to RV life and yeah. it never six weeks later. Yeah. It never, it just never kind of crossed our mind to go back down that road. So how did he handle that? I mean, how did y'all both handle it? So many times it's, you know, the woman or even like with our situation, it was both of us. How did you process that when it, that it was, that it was mainly him? Um, he took it really, really hard, you know, knowing yeah. that he couldn't give me, you know, the greatest dream of my life. And he, I'll never forget one day sat me down and was like, if this is a deal breaker for you and if you want to leave me, I totally understand. Like I, oh. I know <laughs> he's like, I want you to be happy. Raise my heart. Yeah, it was hard. And he's like, you know, you married me not knowing this. And so you like, here's your out. And that, of course, like that was never an option for me. Never crossed my mind. Um, and, and really it, made me love him even more for that you know that was yeah Mm -hmm. that was like the most amazing thing that he could have ever said but um yeah we just honestly we just talked a lot through it all like hours every day we would just kind of check in with each other about how we were feeling and we would cry together and we would pray together and get angry together and we just we just talked through it you know and um, it, it just took time. <laughs> it just took a lot of time. Um, but I also remember one day shortly after it was just like a week or two after we'd gotten the news and I just felt God kind of talking to me and saying that he was protecting us from something. And that was, it was just, 
it felt so out of nowhere. And I remember I just kind of blurted it out to, to Dan. I was like, I just, maybe God's protecting us from something. And maybe, you know, like maybe we weren't a good match. <laughs> maybe our genes just wouldn't have been a good match. And, and he's protecting us from a situation where, you know, maybe I, I could have passed away during labor, or maybe we could have had a child pass away or, you know, like we just, we need to remember that he knows what he's doing. And, mm-hmm. and that gave me so much peace. Cause I was like, okay, I can't look at this as the worst thing ever. I have to look at it as maybe a huge blessing from God that he's taking mm-hmm. care of us. And we just have to keep trusting, you know, that someday it'll all make sense. Um, yeah. And then we, that's when this whole concept of follow your detour came about because we were sitting in one of our like talks on the couch, just kind of crying and working through our emotions together. And, and Dan just looked at me and said, you know what, Lindsay, this is not a dead end for us. This is just going to be a little detour and it's, it's going to still lead us to a beautiful place and a beautiful life together and happiness and everything we want in life it's just going to look different than what we had planned and that doesn't mean different doesn't mean it's going to be worse you know it could be better and and we're just going to follow this detour and I was like I love that (laughs) and we literally bought followyourdetour.com because I was like that that is so applicable to everybody whether it's infertility or anything you know like we all plan everything in life and typically it doesn't work out that way so and you can fight it or you can follow it. Exactly. So it was really just these moments from God and that phrase that kind of picked us up and and let us kind of move forward and heal together. So, Well, you guys have settled down in Colorado Springs. You were, we were talking earlier, you just got an apartment. So tell us about why, why you're kind of taking a break from the travel life as much. Yeah, so... Um, on a recent trip to Europe back in, it's been about three months now. So it was um, at the start of summer, we were just, adoption just kind of popped into our hearts. It was something that we kind of knew someday we might consider, but it still didn't feel, it still felt too much like plan B. And I just, I didn't want to go into the process as feeling that way. You know, I wanted I wanted to be excited about it and feel fully ready and, um, mm-hmm. and happened quick. We kind of tossed around the idea for about a year now. We've just kind of brought it up at random moments. And there was something about this trip to Europe that we just, we saw so many families traveling and it just really spoke to us about, you know, our, us not needing to necessarily stop traveling just because we adopt a child and we're ready to kind of pursue that again. Um, and I, I don't know. I wish, you know, it's one of those God things that you can't even really explain. And my prayer all along um, has just been that God would change my heart and help me to desire what he has for me. And I just felt like I, that kind of caught up with me and, and he has changed my heart. And so we came home from this trip where we talked about adoption almost every day, just looking at families traveling and how bad we wanted a little adventure buddy with us and we wanted to (laughs) share our passion for travel and with with a child and be able to offer that to to a child so 
Um, we both agreed when we got home from Europe, we would start looking into agencies and just start gathering information because we had so many assumptions about the process and um, most of it we knew was probably not accurate. So we just sat down with a caseworker here in Colorado Springs and she was so sweet and just really talked through the process and answered any questions we had and um, really calmed a lot of the fears that we had. And But one was definitely, you know, we can't have an RV and <laughs> use that for our home study. So. We can't do a home study on that. <laughs> um, but she was sweet. I mean, she said you could use a family member's house and then once that baby's yours, you can jump right back in your RV and get back on the road. And, um, we just both are feeling in our hearts that we wanted to settle a bit and go through the process with a little home base where, um, you know, there's times that we're home in Colorado Springs and we have so much family that we can kind of feel in limbo and torn between where we spend our time. And it's not always easy living in the RV and being home. And so, um, we just decided that, you know, we'll, We'll set travel aside for a little bit, probably not as much as we say because we get itchy feet, but um, we're really excited. We're getting settled into this apartment and it's exciting to think that, you know, this could finally be the moment where, you know, I'm picturing bringing a baby into the apartment and, and all those things. So it's getting super, super exciting and um, yeah, we're, we're working through the application right now. So we're excited. That's exciting. We'll be praying for that. Thank you so much. I wanted to go back a little bit um, because I feel like there's probably a lot of teachers listening that are are dealing with the infertility part of things too. Mm -hmm. And how, what was that like for you being a kindergarten teacher, which is like that typical first year kid, the cute kid with the, 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 you know, beaming parents are taking them in. How was that? Did that affect you at all? Oh yes, it totally did. Um, I always, yeah, I just would go around feeling like all these parents were taking their kids for granted, (laughs) you know, and they weren't, but that's how I felt. I was like, you have no idea how lucky you are. It was so hard to see, you know, because you're right. Kindergarten is that year of first. And so parents are super involved and excited and it was extremely hard to be around. And not only that, but all of my coworkers were getting pregnant. All of my friends that, you know, we had talked about job sharing, like we're okay. We're both going to start trying to get pregnant. And then we will, you know, we'll all teach half day kindergarten. You teach the other half and we can watch each other's kids in the other part of the day. And we had all these plans. And then it was like, bam, she gets pregnant. And I'm now she's on to her second kid and I'm still here, (laughs) you know? So it was extremely hard. And then on top of it all, doing all the fertility treatments and having to, you know, do the ovulation sticks in the bathroom in the morning. And then it was just, it was way too much. And I mean, teachers know how inflexible your schedule is and having to be so timely with all your appointments and your meds and whatnot was adding to the stress big time. So it's definitely not a job that is um, very, very good to go through that infertility at the same time. But um, yeah, it was, it was a challenge for sure. Yeah. That's what really all I I can imagine. It's like teaching. And I know I I interviewed one girl, she was a labor and delivery nurse that that had to be hard too. I can't imagine. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, it also gave me 
piece in the adoption process because I loved every single student that walked through my classroom door and their own unique way. And, and I think like I could have brought any of those kids home and, and loved them dearly. And, um, and so I know I have a heart for it too, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said something to me earlier. Um, you said that God has provided you peace in the waiting blessings in the brokenness and patience in the unknown. So what are some of the blessings that you feel like he's brought you and your husband through all of the brokenness? Oh, there's been a lot. Um, and honestly, I think the biggest thing is just asking him for those things. You know, like I, I just kept asking like, Lord, help me be patient and Lord, like help me to focus on what I do have and not what I don't have because I'm so blessed in my life. And I, you know, if all I get out of life is my husband, that is like the greatest blessing of all. And that, and then children will just be a bonus after that, you know? And so I really just tried to focus on, on the blessings. And, um, as I, as I said, with just following this detour, it just, that mindset opened us up to a whole new world and, you know, I got out of teaching, which was really difficult and not what I ever imagined for myself, but it led me to so many different dreams that I think sometimes we're afraid to kind of pivot with our dreams and that we think that we can only have one in life or we can only have one career or, you know, we've invested so much in this. I, I went to school my whole life to be a teacher. Like, how can I change all that now? And, um, and he just showed me that you can have many dreams in life and you can always be changing and doing whatever it takes to make yourself happy. And so following this detour just led me to new dreams. And like I said, um, you know, we always loved to travel and I felt that in my soul that that was what I needed to do. And um, it was through traveling that, you know, Dan and I got a lot of time together and we really strengthened our marriage. And I feel that's going to be huge with the adoption process. Um we just had so many incredible experience. We met so many new people on the road and formed all these new relationships and met even other couples who have been through or are going through the infertility process or now that are adopting. And it's such a blessing to have those people in our, you know, support network. And, um, it's just, he's just kind of showed me a whole new perspective on life and, um, yeah. I mean, it sounds so silly sometimes when I say like RVing changed my life, but, um, RVing was really just the vehicle, but it was this concept of a detour and knowing that like my plans are just minuscule to what God has planned. And that's to me what a detour is, you know? So yeah, it's a detour to us and God's like, yeah, this was the plan. All yeah, along. We need know. To- <laughs> It looks like a straight line to me from up here. Exactly. <laughs> so you really have a passion to encourage um, us to not wait around in our infertility. And so what do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, well, this whole, you know, fall or detour was what really helped me to just know I can't, I kept saying, you know, I don't. I don't want to sit around in life and wait for what I don't have. I just, I want to celebrate what I do have and find new opportunities and keep moving forward despite what's not going my way and not sit around and, and wait and wait and wait. And then life passed me by, you know? And so 
Mm-hmm. Um, I had this like when I was writing my book, I had this moment where, um, you know, you often read in the Bible, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. And I kept having this concept of wait in my mind. And I was like, but I don't think that God wanted me to sit and wait. And I, I dug deeper into that word wait and the Hebrew translation wait means to hope and to anticipate and to trust in the Lord. But none of that says, you know, to sit like, like the definition in, in like Webster dictionary would say like to sit and to pause or whatever. So specifically like in Isaiah 40, 31, which is those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. And then I, that's our verse. Yeah, and then I saw, you know, words like wings and and run and walk, and I was like, those are action words. You know, that's not sitting and waiting for life to come to you and for these things that you want in life to to happen. And so, that was a big part of my book was just you know, follow your detour, embrace it and go after things that make you happy and listen to those things in your heart that are kind of stirring and telling you to make a a change in your life and, and pursue them. And oftentimes like they will lead you in the right direction and that's just God, you know, whispering to you. And so, um, yeah, that's a lot of just what my book inspires women to do of, of just embracing an alternative, but knowing that, you know, if you are faithful and, and still have hope in the Lord, that it'll end up being the better path anyways. And just to trust in that. Yeah. That's good. It's it's not easy. (laughs) You know, sometimes I still feel like, okay, Lord, I've been waiting a long time for this. Um, and I know that, you know, it's easier said than done, but truly the first two years of our RVing, I just felt so at peace and I could not describe where it came from. I mean, I know it was from God, but I, Dan and I would always check in with each other. Like, well, how are you feeling? Are you, are you still liking traveling? Are you wanting to go back and pursue fertility again? And every time it would just be like a such a clear no no like we are we're so happy right now and that felt weird almost because I thought the only thing that would make me happy back a couple years ago would be for us to be pregnant back in our suburban home and now that is the farthest thing from what I want you know yeah now now it seems like that doesn't even fit who you are yeah it doesn't and I and that's ultimately what I kind of thought in the beginning as this idea of a detour it was like well you know, detours on the road, they lead you to the same destination. It's just a roundabout way. And so I thought, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, this will be a detour and then it'll all come full circle and come back to what I want, what I originally wanted. It'll just be a little longer way around. And now right. I can't go back there. You know, that's not who mm-hmm. I am anymore. And I've grown, I've changed so much. And, and I've found also that the harder route is so much more rewarding and so so much greater. And so I just feel so much more prepared to go through the adoption process, knowing that it is going to be the harder route 
but it's going to be so good and so rewarding, just like everything else that we've done. So, yeah. And just think that if this was God's plan for you all along, he's the, has this perfect child waiting for you and Dan and Mm-hmm. you weren't ready to adopt in the beginning. That was not even on your radar. Exactly. And God had to allow all of this to happen so that your heart would be ready. That trip to Europe, the RVing, everything, it just, it led you straight to where you're headed. Exactly. You're going to make me cry So again. cool. <laughs> so cool. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch the journey. So how yeah. they fall, they can follow you at Follow Your Detour. Yeah. So we've got and it. your book is called? My book is called Follow Your Detour 2. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, so you can get all the information on the book at followyourdetour.com backslash book. Um, but it's also on Amazon. And um, yeah, we're super active, mostly on Instagram. And it's follow underscore your underscore detour. So awesome! I would love that. I love getting messages and emails. And I reply to every single one. And um, it means the world to me. So I would love for people to reach out. Awesome. Y'all go follow her. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Kaylee. Thanks for just letting me cry (laughs) and being so sweet. I appreciate what you're doing with your podcast, too. It's, It's inspiring a lot of women. How cool is it that even what looks like twists and turns and detours in our lives, maybe even stop signs, are feeling like we're moving in reverse? From God's perspective, it looks like a straight line through His perfect will for our lives. He isn't surprised by any diagnosis or report. He is patiently walking beside us saying this way, turn this way, trust me, I'm right here. I'm bringing you to a beautiful place. Like Dan told Lindsay, it's going to look different than you expected, but it's going to be beautiful, I promise. And what I'm doing in you is beautiful. Y'all, please be praying for Lindsay and Dan and their adoption journey. Those can be long, hard, so we just need to join with them in prayer. You guys, it's been just over a year and a half into this journey together of the podcast, and I am still amazed that God is using this to reach so many women. To be honest with you, when I first started preparing to do this podcast, I was pretty concerned that after a few episodes, I wouldn't have that much content. Within a few stories, I felt like we might have covered a lot of what needed to be covered, but I could not have been more wrong. 28 episodes in, and there's plenty more to come, and God is still using each of these very unique stories to encourage women all over the world. I received a message last month from a woman, and she said this podcast has brought her to a place of peace in her journey. She said, and I quote, if it weren't for all the wonderful ladies on the podcast, I don't think I would have made it through this journey so positive. Thank you for being so vulnerable and telling your story. And I can't wait for new episodes to air. You guys, thank you for continuing to listen and share. And thank you for your messages and your reviews on iTunes. I am so grateful that each and every one of you are doing this with me. I'll see you in two weeks. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and He is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.